This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 43, Part 2 of 2. We continue our discussion on ANSYS Granta by talking with David Saban and Anthony Dawson from ANSYS about the tools in the Granta family. And then we look at the Q2 and first half financial numbers from ANSYS. Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to part two of our podcast on ANSYS Garata. Uh, I'm Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners here at PADT and longtime ANSYS user, and I'm happy to have you back for this second discussion on this topic. Um, you should have figured out by now, uh, if you listen in order, that we are doing something a bit different with a two-part podcast. And we first talked with a user of the Grant tool, and now I'm going to talk with the um, one of the co-founders and former CEO of Granta, who's now a uh, um, uh, person that works for ANSYS and the new material business unit manager from ANSYS, Anthony Dawson. So um, I'll let them introduce themselves properly in the actual interview. This is part two. So if you've not listened to part one, go back and do that. It'll help uh, understand what we're talking about here in part two. And um, let's go ahead and um, now that we're all on the same page, let's get on with it. Uh, as a reminder for both of these two-part episodes, we're skipping news and events pretty much. Uh, although I will summarize the latest results from ANSYS Inc. Uh, that the corporation put out for Q2 in the first half of 2019, right after the interview and a commercial. So um, for this second uh, part, we're talking, like I said, with Anthony Dawson and David Saban. They're both with ANSYS Inc. now. Um, and they called in from England, which was very nice of them to do. Uh, it was sunny England on that day to talk with me. And I'll let them talk a little bit bit more about that as well. And uh, also let them explain their roles and their history with ANSYS and Granta. So let's go ahead and hear what they have to say about this cool tool. Thank you for joining us today. I've got a uh, cross the uh, pond interview going here with uh, Anthony Dawson and David Saban. Is it Saban or how do you pronounce your last name? That'll do you. So close enough. <laughs> okay, from uh, the Granta team, which is part of ANSYS. David comes from from uh, Granta before the acquisition. Of course, Ant, many of you may know Anthony from his roles as a product manager with the mechanical side of things over the past many years. And I'd like to thank both of you guys for joining me from what looks like through your window, sunny England. Yeah, thanks a lot. Great, Eric. Yeah, and you guys are where? Where are you located in England? Uh, we're in Cambridge. We're actually a spin out from Cambridge University. So okay. we live in sunny Cambridge. It's a very nice place. Which which I know from watching British uh, detective uh, TV shows that we watch on BBC America. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And period novels of Dons walking through hallways, right? There you go. That's us. <laughs> well, good. Well, I really want to thank you for coming. The whole point of this uh, discussion is we here at PADT are really trying to get our heads around Granta. Uh, as we've mentioned before, it's an acquisition that ANSYS recently made of a, of a company and a bunch of tools that came with the company. And we've talked to some users and we've talked to our own engineers who've used it. And I want to have a discussion with people from within the organization to really try and help us understand what this tool is. Um, we, we need, being, being mechanical user mechanical users who have struggled with grabbing material properties for my entire career, um, we got really excited about, oh, well, now I've got material properties. And the more we look, the more we learn that that's just the beginning of what we're getting with this uh, joining the family here. So why don't we start with um, you, David, introducing yourself, you know, your title, what your role is in the current organization, and then how did you end up getting into the world of uh, material data? Well, uh, I'm David Seaborn. I am chief technologist at Anza Granta. Uh, I'm the former... CEO at Granta, 
Uh, uh, I started the company with my colleague Mike Ashby in 1994. So we've been in this game for a long time. Uh, and uh, we started actually with uh, developing software for teaching students about materials. And uh, gradually over time, around about 2000, we morphed into a material data management company. Uh, and since about 2000, we still have a very active program teaching students about materials. It's about a quarter of our business. Mm. Uh, but uh, the rest of the business is all about providing industry, commercial customers uh, with data management tools and with data for their uh, and for analysis and design and product development purposes. Cool, cool. And what about you, Anthony? So I'm Anthony Dawson. So I come to this uh, from the ANSA side, as you said, um, for, for many years, I was a product manager in the mechanical business unit. <clears throat> I then transitioned to being the um, Director of Product Operations at ANSYS, and uh, and now I'm the General Manager of the Materials Business Unit at ANSYS. So the Materials Business Unit being the grant to acquisition. Um, that was an exciting aspect of this. We added a new business unit uh, in ANSYS focused on materials, which is which is which is Granta. So um, that's my background, and uh, for the last six months, I've been living in Cambridge, England, and uh, working very closely with the team, getting everything integrated, and it's been a great experience. Have you started watching Premier League? And if so, what team? So, so that's a, you know, I get a lot of questions about that. And uh, I figured early on that the best would be to stay neutral. So oh. I, you know, I didn't pick a side. I just stay neutral <laughs> and say that um, because honestly, anything I pick would be based on what name sounds the coolest and nothing more. Uh, the answer is Arsenal. If you're, if you're wondering. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Arsenal. Got it. <laughs> that's our family. We're an Arsenal family. Um, okay, great. So a little off topic there. So, um, you know, Anthony, you kind of started in – actually, David, you kind of started into talking about this, but in a little bit more detail. Can you tell us what the different products are in the Granta suite and kind of high level, what we use each one for um, and, and how – and you know what the value of them is? Well, it's very important to realize that Granta is a software company. Granta is, is principally a software company with – you know, uh, a quarter of our company is software developers, and okay. we develop software for material uh, data management. So material data management uh, life cycle starts on a testing machine, like a mechanical testing machine or something like that. If you are uh, designing an airplane, maybe mm -hmm. a, a plastic airplane, polymer composite airplane, then you need to qualify the material. So this is a, a, a big company, but lots of aerospace companies, for example, work on materials. And they start with the testing machine. They do material tests. They process lots and lots of uh, data to generate allowable design value, values. And so one part of Granta's software is about getting that data from testing machines or from other kinds of legacy sources, getting it all organized, uh, doing the the necessary material science on it to calculate the appropriate properties, do the necessary statistical analysis and so on, and get all that, get your arms around that, get it all into a corporate materials database. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one half. That's getting the data in. And then the other half is you've got to get the data out. And that's about getting the right information to the, the user in the right format. It, in the place they need it, at the time they need it, 
with you know minimum number of mouse clicks. Uh, so that's very much about getting data in, for example, to ANSYS Mechanical uh, or to other other tools um, into your CAD system, into Windchill or uh, PLM system. Uh, so it's about taking the data, finding this, the necessary data, assigning it to parts in an analysis tools, bringing in the necessary material models that be they, you know, complicated thermomechanical, nonlinear models or, or just simple things, uh, and so that they can be used for analysis. So a couple of clicks from ANSYS products to getting your data into the database and assigned to uh, a material uh, where you need it. Now, granted, does also provide reference data, and mm -hmm. we have the biggest li library of reference data in the world uh, in this area, and we can provide that as well. So if you are interested in, for example, the US MMPDS aerospace design database, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. one of the Bibles, we can provide that, and you can upload that into your database and uh, you can um, uh, assign materials from that and do the Great. analysis on, on those. So we're about getting data into your database, managing it, organizing it, doing the materials mm -hmm. stuff on it, and then getting it out into clients very efficiently and easily. And also we provide uh, reference data uh, mm -hmm. for customers to use, and I can tell you more about that. Uh, so. So it's it's I mean you said something really important that I think is helping me get my head around it, which is that it's we think about product lifecycle management on the CAD side of things. This is really data lifecycle management. Well, that is absolutely right. When you when you uh, well, there's 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 many aspects to it. One is just making sure everybody in the corporation, everybody in the company, is using the same information and it's qualified right. information which has been approved. They aren't going out and googling material properties. They aren't picking, getting things off their undergraduate textbook. They are using the company gold source, and that right. is that is very important for big companies. You know that if, if you think of the of the uh, 747, it came into service in 1971 or something like that. I right. remember see, seeing the first one in Australia that when I was uh, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. and that was about about then 1971. So the the materials that were qualified for use on that 747, they were doing that in, for the 20 years before, right. uh, before. And so there are all kinds of uh, steels and titaniums and aluminum alloys and so on. That, that happened 20 years before. The 747 is going to go out of service, I don't know, another 20 years, mm -hmm. number, another 30 years. So the life cycle of that materials information for the 747 goes from, you know, 1960, 1950 up to 20, wow. 30, something like that, 80 years of materials information. Right. Yeah. So, and, and you know, if, if, you're, if they have a problem on a – uh, 747, or you're redesigning a part now, which is quite likely, mm -hmm. then the, the material data that was, you know, you need to have data for the materials that you're using, mm -hmm. and you need to also know about the, the data that was used in the past if you can. Uh, so material data outlives the product by a long way. Any individual version of the product, an individual design, it starts before, it ends up at end of, you know, end of life data is important. So it's really very long-lived part of the whole product design and development process. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And important that, that we get our hands around it and uh, and use it use a tool that is consistent across the company, which is where a lot of the value comes from, I think. So, so Anthony, you know, you've known mechanical users for a very long time. Why why do you think Ansys users should care about this uh, new set of tools we've got in our in our suite? Well, you know, it really comes down to the fact that for a long time, Ansys put the burden of materials information, which as we all know is critical to accurate simulation, ANSYS put that burden on the user. Um, we, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we brought to the table a relatively limited set of um, example materials. For example, if you were in the mechanical tool, um, you were coming and you had a couple dozen example mm-hmm. materials, you know, a steel or two, aluminum, you know, that's it. Anything else, it was the customer's responsibility to bring it. And we knew that that was a weakness. Uh, that we wanted to fix. And um, the right way to fix it wasn't by going out and just, you know, grabbing some large database and putting it into our software. That's that's mm-hmm. not what customers, needs is, uh, customers need, as Dave just described. The right way to do it um, was, to, was to find the gold source out there of not just materials data, but materials data management and materials intelligence, mm-hmm. which is what Grant offers. And that's what got us most excited because we knew two things that every simulation requires accurate materials information uh, that is that has been managed properly throughout its life cycle, is fully traceable, um, can be shared around an organization efficiently. There's that. Um, but also, you know, we, we needed materials information uh, that, that could go directly into our products easily um, and connect back with that. And granted, was already doing that. Mm-hmm. We were already doing that, and, uh, and, and, and we are excited to make those connections deeper over time uh, and and really marry the the software that Granta offers um, directly within the full Ansys portfolio across every aspect. You know, our our strategy of pervasive simulation mm-hmm. works out perfectly here because we want to put that materials information into every one of our product offerings uh, around a product's lifecycle. I do remember. It reminds me of a discussion I had in a design review probably ten years ago with an with a senior engineer. We're presenting results from an FEA analysis, and and I said that the uh, the results I felt were good to plus or minus about three or four percent. And then he said, "Well, where'd you get your material properties?" And I kind of hemmed and hawed, and he said, "You got it from a spreadsheet, didn't you?" And I said, "Yeah, I grabbed the spreadsheet off the server." So <laughs> this is—it's funny we're doing this high precision simulation. Yet one of the most critical inputs to that simulation is often an unregulated, uncontrolled document that floats around an organization for decades. Well said. <laughs> Been there. Um, this is cool. Now I want to talk about uh, uh, one of the one of the capabilities that I recently discovered in the tool. Uh, and I'd love to know more about it from you, David, uh, and maybe a little bit more background on how it works. The the material selector tool that kind of guides you into maybe looking at what's the best material for your application. Th- this was something I didn't even know was there. And when somebody showed it to me, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Well, yes, you're referring to CES, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes called CES Selector. It's okay. not really not very well named, unfortunately, for various, <laughs> <Sorry>. various <laughs> historical reasons. And, and you know what? Let's let's do it, Dave. Let's break news on the PADT podcast. Likely okay. to be rebranded soon. Rebranded possibly to grant a selector. So look for that in the future. We love CES. CES is our DNA at Granta. Uh, and it was it uh, came out of the very first product that we ever developed, and it was designed uh, as a uh, with a as being a tool to help you come to a, a, a rational, systematic choice about the best material to use 
for a job. Now, that's a cha- that's more challenging than you think. Uh, we've developed a whole kind of methodology around that, a whole way of selecting materials so that if you do it and I do it, we'll get the same answer and it will be the best answer uh, from the available, available materials. So CES has a special database which we've developed over many years. Um, and it's a database which represents really all the materials that uh, the, the main engineering materials in the world, um, all the different classes, uh, metals, polymers, ceramics, composites, natural materials, f- hybrids like foams and sandwich panels and so on. So it's a, 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 a everything from the foam in the seat that you're sitting on to diamond. You know, nice. it's a very broad, broad range of materials. And the methodology is one which is really about how do you optimize the choice of material um, in a systematic way, given the mechanical, thermal, electrical, uh, environmental uh, properties. And we use graphical a graphical method, uh, which we developed very early on, you know, the, 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 it's interesting to think about the history. When I first started in this uh, uh, in this business databases, we were on you know DBase three or something or other on a <laughs> on a PC, right? So that, that's all DBase two actually. Yeah. So so you used to, and there were a few material data products around, and you would type a few criteria in it, and it would say, "Sorry, there's nothing that passes all your tests," right? <laughs> and then so you back off and you adjust the numbers a little bit, and you and you screw around and try to find some place where you can select a material and it was completely opaque you couldn't work out how to find the material you wanted for a whole bunch of reasons so one of the very earliest decisions was we've got to make this graphical let's have the user see what's going on mm-hmm. uh, and so with CS you plot a series of charts in in what we call material property space and you use the charts you select regions of the charts which satisfy your criteria best and and then there's a whole kind of a, a way a method for doing that so so that for, <clears throat> for example you can select uh, the material for the the lightest structure or the cheapest lowest cost structure um uh, the safest structure, you know, the safest flywheel that you're going to do a high speed flywheel. You want it to be as safe as you can run at the highest speed, store the most energy uh, or a bicycle. You want to be as light as possible. You want to design the frame. It's bending, bending beams for the forks and so on. So optimal selection of materials from uh, your engineering constraints. But the key thing about it is it's all about visualizing what's going on, really seeing. So if a material fails, uh, on any particular stage, you can see why it fails. You can see how you might move, change your criteria. You can come okay. back and adjust it, and uh, we love it. People, people do really uh, like the like the approach. The users we've talked to can't live without it, and, and it, kind of going back to thinking, it got me to thinking also about past experience for tools like this. I think the way I chose materials back when I was doing uh, developing products is I'd pick a material that we felt comfortable with. We would do simulation on it. If it worked, um, we were happy. If not, I changed the geometry to get it to work with that material. I didn't really pick the optimal material. I kind of picked one and then just kind of said, well, this one works. This is a whole uh, kind of upfront to really look at what is what is the right material. Um, and then you can also use it if you've got uh, – I, I, I want to I say I heard a story about a customer that was looking at an older part about changing out a material and saved a huge amount of money using selector to do that. Correct. 
That is absolutely right. It can be used for selecting completely new materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, there's kind of three use cases. Mm-hmm. What's very important to, re- to, to recognize is that many customers don't have that degree of flexibility. They don't right. have the whole world of materials available from them. But you can still use the same method from amongst your preferred set of mm-hmm. materials, mm-hmm. right? The ones that you commonly use in your company. Uh, and so you can still say out of what we've got available, which is going to give me the lightest one. You know, we've got these materials, which we know we're comfortable about. We know they're safe for us to use. We don't have any problems with unexpected failures and so on from that set of materials, which is the best one to choose. And you can right. use the same method for that. And as you, as you say, you can also uh, do substitution and you can uh, I mean, we live in a we live in a time now when lots of materials are going away, actually, because yes. of in, environmental regulations, mm-hmm. and that's that's something that we work on quite a lot at Granta. There's in Europe, there's the the REACH regulation. Uh, REACH has banned 200 substances in the last wow. uh, few years, mm-hmm. and they're substances which are in materials that we use all the time. They're in polymers, plastics, they're things like flame retardants and plasticizers and pigments for paints and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of materials which are going away. And that's caused a need to substitute uh, with some of our big customers in a way which they never had to before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can use CES and, and other granted tools as well to help them with that process of saying, I've got this part, it's made of this material. I'm no longer allowed to use it or I'm not going to be able to use it in three or four years' time when it's sunset under reach. And so how do I change it out from initially from amongst the materials which I typically use in my company? And if I really can't find something there, what else does Granta know that might be usable? Where where else could we could we go for a substitute? You know, Eric, when we uh, when we were looking at Granta from the ANSYS side, you know, uh, the, the selector application is what really drew us uh, drew us yeah, in yeah. to to the need um, to expand the reach of Granta because it's obvious that they have this fantastic tool has mm-hmm. no competition there's nothing like it out there right, on the market right, right yeah. now and you know we believed very strongly that every engineering organization on planet Earth should have mm-hmm. that technology now yeah. obviously Granta was 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 too small of a company to have that reach worldwide mm-hmm. but Ansys has it and that right, is right. one of the big synergies that we're excited about. I, I totally agree. I would have killed for this when I was doing design work. I, I can't tell you how much time I spent trying to find the right material. And especially when you get into plastics and start looking at percentages of filler, um, it can be, you can get down some rat holes very quickly. It would be, would have been nice to have a tool like this. And that brings to my, kind of my next question, which is where does the data that you do provide come from? How do you get that data? Do you guys generate yourself? You use other people's? How's that happen? Well, there's three sources of data. The most important data in Granta's products is the data that the users collect themselves right. and manage themselves and deploy through our tools. And that's that's uh, some companies do lots of test work uh, or, or typically have other test houses do it for them. Uh, other companies have what they've always used. They've got their, they've got some sort of a source that, uh, of information, the, the big red book, uh, mm-hmm. Old old Bill who lives somewhere and everybody phones up when they need material properties. <laughs> That's or, right. <laughs> whatever it is. So companies have their own gold source of information and that is 
for many of them the most important. The second sort of data that we get is what I referred to before, reference data that comes from other uh, other organizations. So MMPDS is a great uh, source. We've got things like, for example, the ASME boiler and pressure vessel code. If you're doing boilers and pressure vessels, you've got to use that data and, right. and so on. So there's reference data like that, and we have a really big reference library of everything from data for medical devices to huge data of polymer data set for polymers, data large amount of data for metals, um, composites, things like uh, CMH17, which is the old Mill Handbook 17, uh, and uh, a bunch of others, NCAMP and so on, which are composites data. So there's a very large amount of that kind of reference composite data. So that's the second type of data. The third type of data that we have is data that we've generated ourselves, And they are, uh, so, and we have quite a big team actually of uh, data specialists who, I mean, one of the things they do is they make those reference data sets into usable form, right. but their, their main job is collecting and curating special data sets for Granta. We have the database which is used uh, mainly in CS Selector, and that is called Material Universe. And it's it's called that because it has the whole kind of universe of materials in it represented to some extent. It's not, they're not very precise. You know, in MMPDS, you come down to a specific alloy, specific heat treatment, specific thickness, uh, specific temperature range, very precise data, specific form, right? It's a right. strip or a tube right. or something like bar. that. So yeah. a bar, very... Uh, Material universe doesn't go to any anything like that uh, level right. of of detail, but it contains the whole world of materials and it contains a broad range of properties. We have also I've just been talking about um, uh, materials going away through um, obsolescence. We have a thing called product risk, uh, which is a unique database. It's got uh, fifteen thousand different chemicals in it, large number of materials legislation about materials, surface treatments and coatings and all the stuff that you need to know to assess whether you've got any of these nasty uh, uh, banned chemicals right. in your products. We have other databases that we've built, and there's one that I love, which so far we haven't sold very well, but I'm hoping that we're going to sell well soon, and that's a database of human biological materials. Oh, yeah. Very useful. Right? Yeah. If you if you're designing a stent to go in an artery, then if you want to know about the stress that's going to be the fatigue loading of that stent as it pulses in and out in the artery through the life uh, through its lifetime, the only way you can really predict it is by modeling the artery and the the blood pressure pulses, the composite structure of the stent in the artery, the blood pressure pulses and so on. And then you can calculate the deflections of the stent and then you can calculate the, the cyclic stress and you can do a fatigue life calculation. So you need to know about the property of the artery. If you're designing a hip implant, similar right. kind of thing, you need to know about the bone that the implant is going to be in. So we've got a whole big database of data for human biological materials as a function of age and sex and ethnicity and all that kind Very of stuff. Enough. Uh, and it's um, uh, artery and you know cardiovascular system, uh, orthopedic bones and uh, uh, and so on. So I love that database. We've got other ones of medical devices. So these are databases that we build at Granta. Our specialist guys uh, built. They're unique, and often we can 
combine them with special software like the material universe combines with CS selector to make a unique combination of right. data, data which is specially tailored towards the software or software, you know, they're, they're a pair. And they that gives us a, a, a unique uh, uh, tool. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, I unfortunately am running out of time. <laughs> we go on and on about this as it always happens. I always like to ask the users if they that let them know that ANSYS people often listen to the podcast. If there's something they want the ANSYS development or product management people to know, um, I like to turn that around when I'm talking to ANSYS folks and say, "Is there anything kind of that you think they don't know already that you either of you think that the ANSYS users need to know about Granton?" Well, I'll start with one thing. Uh, there's there's one quick thing here, which is that you know we spent a lot of time on this in this conversation talking about how Granta is more than just data, and I think we've done a good job of explaining that. Um, but you know, as a first step, we did something that that really is just data, yeah, which is yeah. that we said, look, as a bare minimum, every Ansys customer, whether you're doing mechanical or electronics or even fluids or whatever, we need to increase the amount of just simple data that we have offered in our ANSYS tools. And we've put a new product out there. It's actually mm -hmm. the lowest price product in the ANSYS uh, offering because it really is just an augmentation of data that every user should have no problem getting access to if you want it, that takes the amount of sort of included off-the-shelf, ready-to-go simulation data formatted for simulation coming from Granta you know, from like I mentioned before, maybe a couple of dozen data points to right, many right. hundreds or even thousands of data points. I think that's a pretty exciting Good. starting point for using materials data for simulation. And that's available yeah. now, right? That is available now. Right, cool. That's that's what we uh, we're going to be doing a webinar, um, I think, in a week or so. And I think that that's what we're going to really focus on is that particular product because that's something people can use, all users can use today. So that's very exciting. How about you, David? What 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 do you want to tell the users? Uh, well, I would just add to uh, what Anthony said there. The first version of the uh, material data simulation is essentially mechanical. Uh, the next version is going to have some uh, electrical data Great. in it uh, for Maxwell. Uh, we're working on a bunch of projects and uh, working on fluids data Good. and Good. Uh, optical data. So the aim there is to really provide data for all ANSYS uh, physics tools uh, to um, – uh, for, for all ANSYS users to be able to uh, get at. So that, that'll be uh, great. So the my, my big takeaway is if we want simulation to be pervasive throughout the organization, which we see the value of every day, we need the material data that goes into the simulation to be accurate and pervasive as well. So Granta definitely is going to help with that. I'm, I'm really excited about using it here in our consulting as well as uh, getting our users out there um, exposed to it because I think this is – this has been a long time coming. We appreciate you for for writing. Sometimes we forget to to thank the people that sat down at one point and opened up an empty editor and started writing code. Uh, to these tools that decades later we we find invaluable. So thank you for doing that. Really appreciate it. Well, guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Like I said, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon over the years as the Granta products grow and change, and we get more to share with the our listeners. And uh, we look forward to using it. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Eric. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, bye. Right. Right. So that's really good stuff. Um, if these two interviews didn't get you interested in adding at least the basic grant tool to what you use at your company, then I don't know what will. Um, we're, we're very excited about this. This is something we've all been waiting for for a very long time.
So please do go and sign up for our webinar on August 14th, 11 a.m. Pacific and Arizona time. Uh, go to brighttalk.com and search for Granta or PADT or even ANSYS and you'll probably find it. Uh, or you can go to our homepage, click on the events tab at the top and find it in our list of upcoming events and register. You don't have to be live. You can listen to recording once it's up, but please do sign up. So do reach out and talk to whoever it is you buy your answers from. Hopefully that's PADT and talk with them more about Granta. Learn more on the real issues. Check out the webinar. Talk to the people you get your answers from. And um, I think you'll agree why we get so excited about this tool. And we are always here. If you send an email to podcast at PADTINC.com to answer any questions you have from this these two interviews. So let's take a break for a commercial to justify my time spent on this podcast. Hi there. Eric Miller here to talk in a little more detail about a topic we bring up a lot in these podcasts, customizing ANSYS products to automate processes or add functionality. A significant portion of PADT's consulting work in the simulation world is working with customers to write custom software that sits on top of or even inside various ANSYS products. These programs can connect a legacy solver, import proprietary boundary conditions, or implement a new material model or custom fluid behavior. But most of the time, we work to write vertical applications that automate and standardize a specific customer simulation process. From chip packaging to family of parts simulation to turbine wheel geometry optimization, we can work with your team to provide productivity improvements that can make things up to 10 times faster than the current process. To learn more, Contact us at info at PADTINC.com or call 480-813-4884 and ask about ANSYS customization and automation. A little bit of programming can create an order of magnitude change in productivity. So as mentioned, we're skipping most of the news. Uh, The only thing we're going to really talk about is how well the ANSYS uh, numbers were that came out uh, in early August. They released them in a press release that you can find on the uh, ANSYS website, or you can go to investors.ansys.com. That has everything there about that investors might want to know if you're more curious into looking at the numbers deeper than me. it was very well received. They um, had double-digit growth in revenue, earnings per share, and something called ACV, which I didn't know about until I read about it. Revenue of $368.6 million using generally accepted accounting practices. And if you use the way they like to keep track of things at ANSYS, it's 370 So pretty much the same number on the revenue. Uh, for the first half of the year, it was $685 million, according to Gap. And the profit was 109 million point 109.8 million you know when you're talking millions eight hundred thousand dollars does make a difference um so they had that kind of profit using gap and it was 137.9 million using non-gap and that's where you see the big difference between the two um and that was basically 34.9 percent of a revenue was profit uh for the gap standard for the first half the profit was 196 million and 248 million using non-gap So what is ACV? It's something called the annual contract value, and it grew by 14% for the quarter and 10% for the first half. So this shows good steady growth in the amount of money they'll make from various kinds of contracts over the year. They currently have $631.7 million in the bank, 
Of note in the press release they put out is that in Q2, they did their largest ever single physics deal. So that's one ANSYS product for $49 million over a multi-year deal. I, I sadly don't know what company that was and how long the number of years were, but that's still a really big deal. That definitely uh, is noticeable in the, both the top and bottom line numbers. Do read the press release if you'd like to see more details. That's available on the ANSYS website. Also, in that press release is a really good explanation of the difference between GAP and non-GAP. I I mentioned both kind of briefly, uh, and you can see that the uh, profit numbers are really different under the two different ways of counting money. Uh, And uh, if you want to know what that is, do check that out. It's a pretty good explanation in this quarter's press release. Uh, May have been there in the past, but this is the first time I've noticed it or scrolled down far enough to see it. do visit investors.ansys.com for more information uh, and about this release and all previous releases. How did this impact the stocks? Um, it's the 10th of August right now, so the market closed Friday, August 9th, and Ansys was sitting at 208.27. It's been as high as 215.39, but the market did crash, um, taking Ansys down with it a bit, and the market and Ansys have both recovered, but Ansys has recovered better. Um, year-to-date growth since January 1 is 51.32% on the price of the shares, and that's versus 19.23% for the S&P 500. So needless to say, if you had put $100,000 into Ansys, on January 1st, you'd have $151,000 right now, which is not a bad return. Um, It's good stuff. It's a healthy company. Happy customers, I assume, because you don't grow like this unless the customers are happy. And we hope to see more in the future. Uh, We skipped uh, over the rest of this stuff. Uh, I mentioned three articles I think you should take a look at in the ANSYS blog. Those still stand from part one. Um, Webinars, as mentioned, there's a grant webinar on the 14th of August. Please do sign up for that. Uh, Bright Talk. And then the next webinar is going to be on high frequency electromagnetics update for ANSYS 2019 R2. And that is going to be on the 28th. You can sign up for that as well as uh, the Granta one on the PADT page. You can click the link there or you can go to Bright Talk to find it. Other events we've got going on is a lunch and learn uh, in our Tempe office on desktop metal. So do check that out if you're interested. If you're local and you're interested in metal 3D printing, go to our events page to learn more about that. That's pretty much it. Thank you for um, putting up with the two-part kind of long interview as we explore and learn. I personally explore and learn what Granta is. That's why it was a little long as I'm educating myself with you. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. Spread the word about the podcast. We're getting more and more listeners every day, and we'd love to have more. And don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you much. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 43, part two. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.